0: Hello, dear design leaders from around the world. I'm Ekaterina from Future London Academy and welcome to our leadership series. And our guest today is wonderful Justine Lamson, Chief Creative Officer and founding team member of Midjury. I'm sure you heard of Midjury, an incredible jewelry brand that redefined the whole category. And before joining MidJury, Justine, was an art director in various design and branding companies building international brands. And together with CEO Noura Sakija, Justine brought the creative vision of Midjuri to life and built the entire powerhouse of creators include. Jewelry designers, brand designers and experience experts that created what Midjuri is today. Welcome Justine, how are you doing?
1: Thank you, Ekaterina. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. Thank you, uh, everyone. Happy to see. Oh my God, all of these people from so many different places. This is incredible. And very excited to be here. Uh, And I love what you guys are doing. I really believe in sharing experiences. So very excited to share mine.
0: And as we talked before, it is very rare when you have an opportunity to have a very relaxed conversation with someone very senior who has done a lot, uh, but still has a lot to discover, has challenges day to day. And we we can have this honest and open conversation just between us (laughs) where we can figure out what actually as creatives um, we can do and should do. And also what each of our individual journey was but before we dive into all these exciting topics about growth, the role of chief creative officer, design and business aspect of being in such a role, I have 10 rapid fire questions. And Justine, are you ready? Yeah, brilliant. Are you a morning or a night person?
1: A night person,
0: <laughs> coffee or champagne? Coffee and champagne. <laughs> <laughs> is or high heels?
1: I reestimate things. Now it's anything without pain.
0: I really get where you're coming from. (laughs) Describe
1: yourself in three words. Uh, Curious. Well, creative. I think empathetic. Really good choice. Very good Mm -hmm. three words. Your (laughs) favorite place in Paris? I would say Café Charlo. A very nice place to just hang out and stay there, have tons of coffee.
0: Love it. I need to check it out now next time I'm in Paris. What did you want to be when you were a kid?
1: When I was a kid, I wanted to be a reporter. Actually, I wanted to travel the world and uh, I wanted to take pictures.
0: It is a creative profession as well. (laughs) First, three things you do when you come to the office.
1: Well, obviously checking Slack, (laughs) emails, uh, having a coffee. And then when, and obviously now coming back to office uh, time to time to read really the greatest thing is to just connect with people, hang out in real life.
0: Humans, I think we need humans,
1: humans. <laughs> human interactions.
0: Right. Spontaneous creativity or well planned
1: strategy?
0: Spontaneous. Book, podcast, or a movie that inspired you
1: recently? It's okay. I am going to say something stupid. As actually to show, it's. Um, only murderers in the building, like really, like. And because I live in New York now, and it's it just, uh, yeah, I just love the the tone of it.
0: Brilliant! I love those spontaneous questions because literally the first thing comes. Yeah, you to don't mind know. Absolutely <laughs> random, but that's the beauty of it. Um, brilliant. Last question. Continue the sentence. Great creative leader is inspiring, empathetic, empowering. Great conversation. Well, thank you so much, Justine, for answering all <laughs> these tough and rapid fire questions. Now we can slow down and dive into all the interesting topics. Well, and I will start with um the the story of you, Justine, because it's um it's quite an incredible story and uh, i would like to start from the very beginning to understand i suppose what formed you as a creative person because you grew up in paris and uh, i think it has such an inspiring creative culture and it's known for fashion for inspiration could you tell us a bit more when you were growing up what was it like uh, what did you see did you feel creative did you feel inspired growing up
1: yeah i so i grew up in paris a lot of people in my family are artist actually so my mom took me to a lot of exhibitions and I saw her really putting uh, all her love and in art so I I really felt lucky to grow up uh, in that environment and then very early I was actually I was passionate I was in photography and cinema and and after school I actually started in cinema and studying this I discovered Jean-Luc Godard and all of this. And I think I I really quickly realized I was more inspired by the making of an image than necessarily the whole story. So then I decided to go to uh, our school, to Art Décoratif, which is a great, great uh, public school, where you learn so many things uh, from product design, graphic design, photography, arts. It's such an inspiring school that I'm very proud I, I made.
0: Was it always obvious for you that you will be a creative person, so literally from a very early age, or was there a click when you saw creativity as a career rather than as a hobby or a passion or something else you could maybe do on the side?
1: I think I was always inspired by creativity and by many, many different things that I, I describe myself as curious. I'm extremely curious about many things and obviously was driven towards creativity. I think as many young creatives, I didn't necessarily know where I wanted to go necessarily. That's why I, I tested a lot of things and I think you have to do that in order to know Uh, what you like. But I knew something that growing up with artists, I didn't want to be an artist. I I wanted to have a purpose within creativity that is not necessarily linked to my own art, but that's uh, linked to building something. I knew I wanted to build something.
0: So were you ambitious then when you were growing up? Was there an ambition in you to to do something big big, yeah very
1: ambitious and uh, uh, ambitious not necessarily I I didn't know I, I wanted to be a chief creative officer by the way I didn't think of myself in like any executive position at all but more of really an appetite of discovering things and I knew I wanted to travel as well discover new things probably my type of ambition is this
0: so then you make this decision at some point to move to Canada. Yes. what <laughs> an interesting one. How did that come up? Considering no, it, Paris has it, so much to offer. And then it's like, maybe I had enough of Paris. I want to move to Canada. What happened then?
1: It literally happened like that. It's, um, it's funny reflecting on my own life. I think the the major decisions I've made were not necessarily primitive. I I didn't necessarily decide, oh my God, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go to Canada. Actually, I was in brand design agencies. It was great. I was, obviously Paris is a great place to live. You probably don't realize when you grow up there, sometimes when you go away, you realize, oh my God, this is actually really great. But um, I think after uh, 10 years in agencies, I think you start knowing a little bit your comfort zone. And I do think I wanted to have a fresh air. I'm saying fresh was Montreal. So it was actually really fresh. And it's actually my husband uh, who had an opportunity. He asked me the question, and I literally said, Let's go, let's just go. I I really need something new and I wanted to I wanted to challenge myself and discover um something different so we decided let's just go literally we never went to Montreal we literally landed with our luggage and our cats uh and started yeah fresh there and thinking we we never know maybe we'll stay maybe we won't And how was it like how
0: was the first gold
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh it was really inspiring it's a really nice place for creatives uh montreal i actually thought i'm gonna look for agencies because i am coming from agencies and there are many great ones um but i started posting my portfolio and then literally two days after nora contacted me so i really believe there is a sign and the rest is history. And then we met and actually started from there.
0: So now we're at this very important <laughs> point in your life when you met Noura. Um, and Noura is the CEO and uh, co-founder of Mijuri. Yeah. And I would love to hear a bit more about that because it seems like it's such an important then point in your life. Yeah. So tell me more about this first meeting or conversation that you had with Nora. what did she tell you that Made you believe in what the future might look like, or what was it like?
1: We really clicked really right away. We had so many early conversations. So she uh, already founded Majuri with a co founder, Maj, and then wanted to have to, to build a founding team and have the creative element to build the brand. So she started talking about uh, the project, and I was really impressed first by her and her path, and coming from a third generation in fine jewelry, having all that traditional knowledge and willing to just do something different with it and we we really started talking about brands immediately about something that we wanted to build a brand that speak to ourselves our community the next generation and how it was actually dated and also more than creating product creating a point of view on luxury, what it, what it means for us um, and how, uh, yeah, how we enjoy luxury and how um, literally we buy luxury for ourselves, which I wasn't doing before. I just realized that, that I was not necessarily thinking of myself in that way. So really a very, very interesting conversation since the beginning And I think also we started building our relationship, which I think is key also as a creative director or chief creative officer. I don't think you can build something if you don't have that authentic, true connection to build something together. Um, And I also believe you can not build a brand that doesn't feel authentic to you. So that project, all these conversations were really, really important in the beginning.
0: I love this, how... You kind of assessed, I suppose, the career opportunity more from the personal perspective. Does it yeah. connect to what I believe in, where I believe luxury and jewelry should go? And I think it is so important. And I think we underestimate the importance when we join the company yes. of whether we believe in where the company is going, what it's planning to do, and do I have the same vision and values? Same values.
1: And- Exactly. And I think I had that also in the past, working with the brand agencies, I always valued people I work with, I, I work with smaller and bigger ones, I, I rather work with the smaller one where I share the same vision with um, either the founders or the people who build this because in the end, you build it together, I really believe start aligned uh, when you have a shared vision.
0: And what's the vision back then when you just started? There was no company or there was a tiny company, I suppose. Nuro was just getting it off the ground. Was the vision exactly
1: the same as it is
0: now? What changed in what you thought the company will be to what it is now?
1: What's uh, fantastic and so strong about what uh, the brand is today is it was exactly the same mission. So it's obviously a very mission driven brand that purpose to uh, empower people to wear jewelry, but beyond that live the life they want the way they want and that really happens since the beginning uh, and, and I really also love that tension between coming from a very traditional industry but that you you won't change the way you create jewelry it's handmade it's handset you're not going to Bring necessarily, you're going to bring innovation in the process, but this is still something that's very traditional. But in opposition to that, you can really bring innovation in the way you talk to the customer and you build a brand. So that never actually changed uh, with the growth of the company. That's great. And
0: I actually have a tiny story to share with you. I was preparing for this conversation, I was just chatting to someone randomly in the gym, uh, whether they no my jury is a brand and whether they have any jewelry and it's like yeah I actually have a few pieces yeah. and what was interesting um, kind of proving your point how strong and clear your vision is not just to your internal team but, but to the customers as well she literally just like said word by word exactly the mission that you had about the oh, fact- yeah she wanted to buy it for herself because she wants to be empowered to buy her own jewelry and it's a statement piece and it's it's a modern but it is classic so she wants to have something that she can pass on to the next generation and how basically timeless it is everything yeah. that you you stand for as a brand and i think that's a it's a good yeah it's a good good point for a brand when your customers actually can feel exactly what you're trying to say including actually your brand strategy which was very interesting I read that you did not invest in advertising and more focused on community and kind of yes. building those connections and recommendations and how this friend discovered actually your jewel brand is because your friend sent her a link and said you might like this which again proves that whatever vision you built from the beginning whatever strategy you built from the beginning actually worked very well yeah. and uh, yeah it was very clear to your customers as well.
1: Definitely. And the community has been also in the RDNA since the beginning and the way we obviously like saw the brand, uh, considering ourselves and our community, our friends, and how they're gonna buy and style the product, how they're gonna wear them. Um, so it was also the the early days quite early days of Instagram and all of these communities were, were starting there. I, I also want to mention, obviously, when people say that, it, it feels like we obviously could pass that message. It's not easy to build a brand from the ground because you don't, no one knows you. We were extremely careful in the way we were expanding the brand and working with influencers, working with only, um, again, authentic relationships and nothing that felt fake or could hurt the brand. And I think keep doing that, keeping doing that is really important, especially in the early stage where it's actually the toughest part because you you want to get people to know you, obviously.
0: That's so interesting. And I would love to actually dive deeper into this conversation in a second, because how you built your brand and in general, your overall strategy was quite unique. And I think that probably is a big part of the success that Mejuri is at the moment. Before we jump into that, let's uh, pick up from the point when you joined the company. So it's a new company, very small at this point. How was your role described to you? And what did it end up in real life as you joined?
1: well it was creative director uh, i think the unique part of this was obviously at a very early stage you do a little bit of everything <laughs> so from building the brand to also building the, pro- the actual products with nora and i think that's also a key relationship between the two i'm not a jewelry designer she has that knowledge about jewelry but wasn't necessarily a designer so we really built that early stage together. Obviously, now we have amazing uh, designers, but it was really working on the two fronts, but also on the business side, which was the entirely new thing for me because I wasn't in business at, at all. I was a creative director or an art director working on brand identities, but I. I never considered the business side and that was a really loving in the beginning the entrepreneurship and really understanding what we're building and why we're doing this and why we're taking those decisions for the business it did evolve with time obviously because with the growth of the company every six months you have to redefine your role Almost because there is something new, but it it was defining a little bit of everything in the beginning, but then defining who I am and who I'm not. I'm not, for example, I'm not a marketer Uh, and I think growing in the role was defining further what I'm doing and what it means uh, creative within the, the business.
0: This is really, really interesting. And let's actually talk a little bit more about this, defining the role with the growth of the company, because again, this is such a unique place that you've been where you grew together with the company, you grew to the team together with the company. And when you say you had to define what the role was and what the role wasn't, can you tell about specific points when you're like, okay, we're definitely need the marketing person. I'm not gonna do it.
1: I definitely don't understand enough. Let's hire someone. How, how did it come up? Uh it, it came up naturally. I think definitely the marketing side was also the first piece we we brought uh, within the team. As a designer, I know I could have a point of view on, on design for product design. I had a point of view on the brand design. And then we started later opening stores. And I have a point of view on interior design. So that's how. Uh, We started shaping creative as, and I think it's something that's not unique. I think there are other companies having that, but that's its own creative team that's embedded in different business units, but creative is uh, an independent unit. So that was, I think, the first mission that I wanted to build for the team and for myself is to have that creative team on its own um, that is in-house. And that is that powerhouse that that can infuse every uh, business unit. So, very early stage, the everything that was um, yeah, starting marketing started to be on its own and retail wasn't existing in the beginning and then it started developing.
0: So could you give us a kind of a bit of a timeline of this journey I suppose how many were the beginning the first hires then what who else then you had to build up so basically what was it like going from zero to whatever it is now? So we were four uh,
1: in the very early stage for um, probably first year second year we started We're less than 10. So I was still in Montreal and the team was in Toronto. And then I moved to Toronto to actually build a larger team. And we were still in a very tiny office. I would say in 2018, that's actually the actual store in Toronto that has two floors. The the entire company was there. Then we moved to a larger one and then started getting a hundred. And then it was very, very fast. So from, yeah, 2015, since the launch to now, it's more than 500 people. So it's obviously yeah, exponential growth.
0: And how did the design team keep up with this growth? So how did the goals of design team change and also the design team itself? How did it change throughout these years of growth?
1: It started, as I say, one person and then a few people doing Uh, more, including having a studio, having um, graphic designers, and then we started having jewelry designers. So it was more of a small team. It actually became more specialized. When we were growing, we started having clearly a team that's working with marketing, clearly a team that's working with the studio and and there are some different phases obviously we test and learn we had the studio in the house and then we started working with the studio outsourced and then we developed the product design the jewelry design team and then the interior design so the experience design team with retail And the last part, not the last part, the very important part is creative operations, because you can't have a creative team without creative operations. So that started actually quite early. And that's also part of my own growth, identifying who I am, who I'm not, like not a marketer. I'm obviously working very closely with marketing and I have a point of view, but that's something that developed very early. Creative ops is also another thing. I think it's very hard to be... a creative without creative operations Um, so that's where I got support very early and now it's a very strong department actually in creative so we we started having almost like sub departments within creative so for them it meant from people who were very uh, early stage probably having more things to do probably experiencing things and then going to uh, more specialized roles
0: you mentioned something very interesting about decisions of what you should keep in house versus what you should keep outside because it is a very difficult one um, and you mentioned that you have interior and experience design team in house I would love to again understand how did you make those decisions because I think that from just outside perspective that's probably the one that it's the easiest to keep outside because it requires so much power and maybe not as much day to day so what was the decision process there
1: I yeah it's a very exciting department because also that's the reason why we went to retail we started online and and we wanted to expand the experience with that in real life experience so when you go shop for jewelry you just don't want to have that transactional relationship you want to have that brand experience so that team is creating just that and that's another point in having that team connected and um, the experience design team works with the retail department, so they're not they don't have the same day to day as the jewelry designers, but they talk together. So if you see, uh, sometimes it happens that a ring that's designed by the jewelry designers can have the same inspiration in the stores. And that, to me, creates a very unified and very strong experience. You might not see it, but you, you can feel it. Um, so it it is not a large team. We all, we work with agencies. Model I like that we keep building is having quite small size of a team in-house, but they're creative thinkers and they work with external partners. But um, I really believe in keeping those thought processes very close uh, in-house.
0: I totally agree with you. And I think in general... I can see that happening in the industry a lot now. More and more teams are going in-house versus kind of outsourcing things because, again, to create a strong brand that has this coherent experience across different channels, I think it's very difficult when you have to work with different partners at every touch point. So it totally makes sense how you created this very coherent experience. And I love the examples where a, a jewelry design inspiration can suddenly Flow into the store and inspiration. And I think that's where magic actually happens with these yeah. uh, serendipitous moments.
1: Definitely. And also with building the brands, uh, as I mentioned, the early stage, building the on the vision, and you have to test things and you have to you learn so much for, from this. And this team has learned so much from this that it, it is to me key to have that level of understanding. And obviously those amazing talents. Uh, because I have a wonderful team with amazing creative directors. They challenge the brand, they, they but they have a knowledge of the brand that's so deep on every aspect. That is, to me, key to our growth and key to our brand personality. That's very unique. Um, it doesn't mean we don't work with agencies. And that's something we... It's also nice to bring partnerships uh, for some project. I think it's always good to have that. It's also good to uh, outsource when it's more high volumes and have a team that's quite agile. But yes, I really, really love um, what we've built for that reason.
0: You mentioned talent and it is an interesting point because I think hiring the right talent is probably key for any company and specifically a creative talent is something that you can expand the horizons of what the brand is doing. Can you tell a bit more, how did you approach hiring? And especially when you're growing so fast, uh, and especially when you have to hire people for the area of expertise you might not have yourself How was the hiring process for you?
1: It is uh, the most challenging and exciting part because they're partners. Uh, I was mentioning the authenticity of the relationship and the trust you have. That's really, really what I put first and and the values we're sharing. And this is a huge element, the culture of the hiring process. There are people who I admire. So Obviously, like jewelry design, I I I have a point of view, and I know what I like, and I know what Nora likes, and I think it when you 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 just see someone that you know there is a fit, and you know there is that aesthetic that you love. It is fingers crossed. I found amazing talents.
0: I love how you went off intuition. So, (laughs) was there first of all, where did you find them? So, I think it's another thing of actually finding these pockets of talent that. Are available and are facing the vision and the brand so what was were you just searching through your contacts were you going through recruitment how did you find those special people
1: it's a bit of both uh some people came to us which is great because the the brand i think is exciting so we had many people coming to us when we were in the hiring process and then some recommendations that is also something that obviously happens a lot so that's why i'm really recommending for creative to really go and network and that's i think very very important and uh it was the two ways people come to, coming to us and some uh contacting oh you should meet that person she's amazing or he's amazing
0: any tips that uh, you can give anyone who will be going through this rapid growth something maybe you didn't get right and <laughs> had to learn the hard way um, yes. any advice you could give someone
1: I think Nora had a description that I find very accurate it's like you're the pilot in a plane but you're still building the you're still building the plane so you can't expect that everything is going to fit perfectly because you're still building. When you innovate, you have failure coming with it, so you you shouldn't be scared about failing as long as you learn. And then be aware that you're going to do things outside of your comfort zone or outside your expertise, which is probably the thing I've learned the most because I was initially really thinking, Oh, I'm not a jewelry designer. I think it's, um, you're surprised by yourself when you, you just stop thinking this way. And it's also a high growth business means a growth mindset. It's what I was telling you about me being curious and being that, that really was something that really suits me because I'm a working process and I actually love that because you keep learning, you keep growing. And um it's just either you like it or no. But I, I do believe it's good to remember you're not, you're still growing within your role.
0: Well, that is easier said than done. And the words like failure and growth I think we all have to repeat them. But what are like how did you deal because I'm sure there were moments where things didn't go right and as you said it's innovation ex- experimentation so you try something new something work something's not that's part of growing a company yeah so once things don't work how do you get yourself back on track and make sure that that doesn't derail your work and how you think about what's coming next
1: yeah I mean it's obviously you say you learn from it but it's important to go to the root cause why didn't it work? Uh, i have many examples of things that sometimes uh, didn't small or big and understanding why why didn't go as planned or why uh, did i expect something and it executed differently really understanding the root cause uh, questioning yourself like i i'm questioning not the system you know like what, what did go wrong what could I do differently um I think reflecting on that like you're saying it's part of building a company
0: and is there any formal process that you do whether it's personally internally or with the team so when things go wrong I don't know you're right uh, your own notes of remember not to do this or not to do this
1: change it change the process but it's, it's interesting because it happens when you have stages where you go fast and you're like, Oh my God, we shouldn't have done this so fast. I have an example. We were replacing some econ photography and it's when it's very cross functional. If everything goes well, it's going to go well. If one thing just fails, then the whole thing is going to fail and it just happens, it just happen and then just fix it. And I, Oh my God. Yes, I'm going to remember let's really see the end to end uh in the project so obviously learning uh, from that from a process standpoint so we worked a lot on our processes that's why i'm saying creative ops is key for creative because without strong processes you can't have that <laughs> liberty to uh think more creatively uh, without ending up to with too many processes so you don't want to end up like a bank so it's really finding the right needle of comfort. Let's talk about
0: Creative Ops because I think this is an incredibly important conversation for any creative team and uh, I think in general more and more companies are investing in creative operations as a, as you said to make things happen you need good operations. So yes. can you tell a bit more about the journey of your Creative soft team and, and what, what do they do now? What was part of that?
1: Yes so it started with one person that i hired she's still here she's amazing our director of creative ops and i hired someone recently who is amazing who's an executive to really push further uh that team because what we realized i'm talking about processes which is not the funniest thing but the end to end process is key for creative it's not just what works well or doesn't work well within creative It's when we work with partners and marketing and retail it is you you really have to see what is functioning from them to ours, and so we can get back to them with amazing creative that's actually implemented. So uh, it is highly cross-functional, and right now we are uh, working with retail. Uh, we are working with um, marketing very, very close collaboration. So I think it's more than just processes. It's also how you embed creative within business department. They're making those key uh, relationships and they're making obviously the clock work, uh, but they're building beyond creative. That's that's what I'm also excited for. It's not just the creative process.
0: And I suppose what did go wrong like make it for you to understand that okay we do need right operations without that we can't function Mm -hmm. what was this key moment when you realized okay that's the time
1: I think it's seeing myself first and and designers doing things that they're not supposed to do (laughs) Uh, doing things that are more operational and uh, spending time with some you know, you can create spinning, you can create really unnecessary spin and time that you don't want creative to do that. And it, it really started from there. And you want them to be focused on what matters, what they love to do, whether superstars, it's the creative side. Um, and seeing myself also limited at some point I've learned building obviously the operational side of the team and how we're going to structure it but i'm i'm limited to that point that i at some point we need i need someone with the other side of the brain
0: great well talking about you and your journey let's get to the point when you became a chief creative officer (laughs) so can you tell a bit more about first of all how did this conversation came up you were creative director the company is growing at which point like okay now is the time did you bring it up did someone else bring it up so what what was it like
1: i didn't bring it up i haven't had so many examples of chief creative officer that's why i love what you're doing because you need to hear uh what it is because it could mean and that's what i was telling you like you i don't know if i have the right answer what, what it is because it could be so many different things uh, depending on the company depending on the type of business depending on the person so when it came first it, it came from Nora and I think it's really, it really was about scaling the business I was actually a little bit skeptical because I was wondering like, what am I going to change like is is it different is it uh, also because I'm a founding team member I was involved in the business side since the beginning so it wasn't like I'm changing my role it was really about scaling myself Um, And understanding what was needed from me at that scale of the business, which was less about obviously coming to that point where you have different departments, I couldn't be the only creative director. So that's where I hired creative directors. So it was more about me creating the space for them to lead their own teams really changing that scale which came progressively it didn't change i didn't wake up one one day as a chief creative officer but it was i think it was a good thing to change actually the title because you reflect more on yourself like what's what's needed from me right now probably is different from last year um so it it came yeah quite organically
0: what is needed from you right now that wasn't <laughs> needed when you were at your previous role?
1: The business of creative, I would say it's the building the business, keep building the business, keep building the team. And again, having that vision for the team that is that independent, very strong department um, while building the business and being aware of every aspect of the business so uh, creative can support. But also I can provide creative that space of curiosity of that is what they need and empower um, the creative directors to uh, lead their team. So it's from my perspective, in in my position, more in the background uh, and building, continue building the culture. It's, It's really the connection of the two.
0: And how much of your role currently is actually creative? Because you said you have to be on the background. And I think we all experience that the higher you get, the less creative work you actually do. So how much creative work do you actually do at the moment?
1: Yeah, I'm actually working with every department a lot on creative meetings and brainstorming sessions. So I'm still very, very involved. I think it's Important to know, like, so how far you need to, and how much you l- leave some uh, people taking on the vision. But I'm, I'm always involved. I, I, I'm not flying like here. <laughs> I'm involved, and I'm I, that's my passion too. So it's, uh, I think keeping infusing the personality within the brand with these partnerships. And I'm, yes, I'm, I'm very connected.
0: But that's a a difficult one because. You have now all these other aspects of your role that are not creative that you need to fit in your day, and we only have certain amount of hours in the yeah. day. And uh, I can definitely relate to being very passionate about the creative parts. So you want to be involved in so many things and so many decisions and everything that you've seen being built, and you, you want to be part of it. On the other hand, now you have to look after all the business aspects and other things that also need time. So how do you find this balance? And I suppose yeah any tricks or tips how you figure <laughs> out to organize your day that you actually have time for all the aspects
1: it's not easy I, I want to say it's not easy I did a lot of work on myself first because I, you have to be centered because you can't keep jumping around so first I I try to organize my schedule uh, so I can have dedicated time I have and find times with some more execs which is also part of my role is planning more ahead so i need to create space for that so i can plan ahead with cross-functional partners so that's that's the part where i really need to um be focused on and and tricks i would say um therapy (laughs) i'm joking it's half a joke actually you have to really make sure that you uh you keep your focus very strongly uh so you can have time quality time with people and you have less time obviously so it has to be uh meaningful and uh yes i would say it's not easy focus is important
0: (laughs) what's your day or week look like at the moment is it Half of it is meetings, and there is one hour of focus time. What I don't know, what what does it roughly
1: look like? Roughly, kind of back to, yeah, still back to back. It depends it depends on the days and we manage to have some meetings that are back to back that are like really product focused, so we can meet with the team. And then, so we try to do that mainly, mainly meetings, whether it's with the team, with the executive team, or the creative team. So it and and one-on-ones, and uh, we try to install something that's the Wednesday free meeting, which is very important for creatives. They really appreciate that a lot. So they have their own focus time. I'm trying to book it. It's often overbooked but um I'm trying to have that time where we know everyone is focused um so yeah it's really about managing that calendar yeah
0: living by calendar I can, <laughs> can relate and we also have no meeting wednesday well I Oh think- you do have Protective about my Wednesdays that, uh, yeah, not, no one is allowed to book anything, it's literally blocked. yes, and I love it
1: <laughs> and do some in real life. That's something that we're trying to do back. Is and we have obviously a hybrid model, which I think is great. So we come two days in the office, and I really, really miss that being in the office and having those casual conversations and talking about that project that the experience team is working on and then you that's where you can create those connections uh it just feels also very good so right now I'm trying to and obviously you have to organize for it because you don't want to go to the office to end up on zoom to organize your time so you can have that um those moments
0: yeah planning planned creativity that's the key um, I would love to talk also about the business side of things because, as you said, a big part of your role when you become. Well, a- ask me numbers. Yeah, no, ask me numbers. Yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of what actually, how much did you know about business, uh, business metrics, business lingo, ROIs, and CACs and LTPs, yeah. and all of that? Yeah. How much did you know before getting to the position? And I suppose, what were the first things you have to learn very quickly when you're like. <laughs> People are talking about this. I need to understand what they're talking about.
1: I can tell you they made fun of me about ROI, AOV and all these metrics. I've learned, obviously, and they're very important also for creative. We're really watching them. And that's uh, how we measure impact um, of creative. So obviously it's owned by marketing, but I always look at the brand sentiment and obviously conversion, that's how you, engagement, uh, that's how you see if people connect with what you're actually doing. I understand the metrics. I'm really looking at them, willing to learn from them, willing to test things. So I really, really believe in that. I can go a little bit, not too far in this. I'm not going too far in into the, the actual, you know, numbers are... But I'm really, I, I really believe in watching this very closely, and that's actually empowering for creative. and and yeah, we have kpis and and we use them, and i I also really consider one KPI for creative that I think is key, that is not metric related, is high quality of work. And how satisfied are we? How proud are we with the work we're doing? That's the one and only we only own within creative uh, that's not metric related that I think is important to keep as the North Star as well because it is about quality of work and execution in the end so yes I Ooh, I of...
0: love that one
1: how do you measure quality or how it's how actually not it? really yeah you can't really measure it but I think it's a question and it's something that we're doing as a brand who's always evolving and auditing the brand and and reflecting on what we like and what we don't like. So it's sometimes necessarily something you measure with numbers that you can keep as a discussion within the team.
0: This is brilliant. And I I, you, I totally agree with you that sometimes we can be too focused on the metrics without Understanding that design still it is about the quality and some of things you can't measure. On another hand, I think we should measure things and shouldn't be oh, yes. just just the creative side.
1: And creative is the part that's further away, so you need to keep that little and also the you know the gut feeling about things, the instinct. Somehow, yeah, you have to keep it because that's where you you make the difference.
0: I love that you mentioned gut feeling because I think this is something that. Uh, again creatives usually rely on but then the further you get throughout your career you're like okay maybe i should have more logical approach to everything that i do maybe intuition and gut feeling is not something that is a reliable way to make decisions. But I totally agree. Some things, is just they feel right. You have to do them. You not always can explain them. And then you see if they work out or not. And that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Because you also have investors in the company. And it's a big element of uh, being at that position. Again, you talk to different senior people. Do you have to have conversations with CFOs, investors, or other people who purely think business? They don't think of anything else.
1: We are very lucky that we we have an amazing team of investors that are very very brand focused. So they actually really talk a lot about brand, mm-hmm. and they understand brand, and they understand creative. They actually really understand, and they want to see vision. They want to see. They also want to see part of creative. They're not just focused on numbers. Uh, we're obviously very lucky uh, with that relationship as well because they partner with us, they empower us, they question, not just the metric, they question that element of the brand, that what are you creating that make, you know, people really connect with the brand. So I would never do a presentation for, we have a CFO in-house and again, we we can have jokes <laughs> about that. I can not do that presentation about necessary numbers, but, uh, Within the company and with our team of investors, it's um, people who are really focused on the brand and passionate about it.
0: That's really good to hear. And I also noticed uh, a lot of your investors, or some of your investors are women, or women's yeah. partners of venture firms, which again is very unique. And uh, I suppose that's why your relationship with investors is all probably slightly different than a traditional traditional Silicon Valley Uh, set up where it's very much, yeah, the same.
1: (laughs) Yes, both women and men in in New York, in London, actually. also it's, they really, really have, uh, we share the same vision for um, brands for the next generation that have, you know, values, uh, value culture, diversity. So they're definitely not those type of investors you think about.
0: Talking about gender and equality and diversity, you're a, 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 a senior woman in a, in a big organization. And I'm sure throughout your career, you had to figure out your path. Um, would you, reflecting on, I suppose, your journey, did, did you find it, first of all, any different? The fact that you were a female and did you have to adapt any behaviors or anything to change about anything
1: about who you are to make sure you can get through this journey? So as a woman earlier in my career, experienced more probably feeling a little bit stuck in a direction and not necessarily feeling I could go easily in more executive or not necessarily the business side, but there's a little bit of that feeling that you can stay in a director for a long time, even though you're sometimes doing the work of more of a creative director. So I actually could feel it more in the past. And we are a woman-led company. So I would say our perspective is entirely different. I definitely see the difference. And inclusivity, diversity is really at the heart of everything we do. I would say probably it's more Nora who had the experience on, you can imagine, uh raising with investors and, and like really that environment i think was more challenging for a woman to start with but since we started actually we i, I, I don't have the numbers but we are an extremely uh, diverse and inclusive team that's also why i'm excited about what we're building because we build it the way we want i do believe if you have more women in business it, it looks more inclusive and looks more diverse
0: oh, i love how you when you talk about the company from the vision perspective from the environment and culture perspective i can feel that you really enjoy what you're doing and what you're building and this is so great to hear that from the very start it felt right and it still feels right and you still feel this passion and energy every day while we're waiting for people to submit questions i have a few more uh to ask you and one is i suppose a, a hard one do you remember any particular day that you could describe when you felt? I don't know if you operate I, like you're not sure that this is you can do it, or you were just devastated because of a certain thing. Can you can you describe a hardest day that
1: you remember? Oh my God, I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> There is definitely very, very hard days. It's a roller coaster and really literally even grow growing within my role at some point you think, okay, it's gonna be bigger, so I'm gonna be more uh, assertive or have, uh, but no, you're always questioning yourself and always wondering, am I doing right? am I? And you could sometimes feel very lonely in those questions. So it definitely happens. But I always remember, in that case, what I've done, what I'm capable of, and I'm trying to remind myself this. It's part of building something. Sometimes you uh, you face challenges, you doubt a lot. That's why I was mentioning, like, actually quite seriously, uh, therapy or, like, things like this that can support you. And if you need the support, you just need to find it, uh, and it's okay not to feel great all the time because it's definitely not the reality but obviously the everything we're building and everything we're we're doing that wins in the end that's why we're doing it
0: was there any specific maybe feedback or anything because i i I love that you're very community driven and you take feedback from community as well and i'm sure that culture internally is also very much driven by feedback was there any point when you got a really harsh feedback about yourself, about your work or anything? Fair or unfair, it doesn't matter. But when you felt they were like, Arr! and uh, I don't know, do you remember a moment and maybe how mm-hmm. did you get out of it?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> I think at some point, yes, we had. Uh, yes, it, it was a, a, a tough time in the company uh, in the beginning. And we had a tough feedback, I think, from an investor. And you know it resonates you know it's like there's something true in it so in the beginning it really hurts you really feel like oh my god i feel like i want to go and (laughs) under something and then you know what in the end and it's a discussion we had many times with nora in the end it's empowering because you realize there is something true about this there is something i probably did Wrong. The moment you hear it, you definitely don't want to hear it. But in the end, it just pushes you. And I'm really someone who crave feedback all the time. Um, I also appreciate my relationship with Nora for that because I know Nora is always gonna tell me the truth. She's the, not gonna spare the and I, I really love it because you know where you are, and um feedback is really key for even personal level. I, I always ask people.
0: I think this is a such a great approach to feedback and I love how you talked about like finding what truth in the feedback is that drives your growth. And I think in reflection, we always think it's like, ah, it's so good that someone mentioned that because that actually led me to this growth of my company or my product became better. But in the moment, in the moment, moment,
1: (laughs) you really feel like, no, but in in the end, you feel safer because I'd rather have that relationship with people around me than not knowing what they think. Absolutely.
0: And we actually have, following the thread about feedback, Adele is asking, what is your approach to giving feedback to your team when something doesn't reach the high standard?
1: I really think having honest conversations about what did go wrong? What do you think about it? It's I think it's a discussion. It's not not just saying uh, what you think. It's, it's a process that is a two-way, I think, relationship. That's why I think it can happen in a very genuine way, if you have a very authentic relationship if there is trust in the beginning, you know, it's coming from a good place. Um, So yes, and and have it it as a constant conversation also really helps. I think the most difficult, probably, uh, experience I had is when there is something that you don't share. And then it started getting bigger.
0: Yeah, I love, I feel like there is a culture of this very honest communication, open communication in your company, which especially when you're growing fast, I feel like it's so important. And is everyone on board with that culture? Because I feel like it's one thing to think like, yeah, we'd love to give feedback and have this conversation. But if someone else is like, I'm not sure I'm ready for it. Do you
1: have situations like that? Actually, no. Really, because it it's really part, like you say, as uh, our culture. So it's something we really communicate a lot. And we have sessions about feedback, receiving feedback, giving feedback. So it is really part of the company culture. So it is, yeah, it is key to just learn how to appreciate it and how to grow with it, Love it. and
0: when you say sessions do you mean like you talk to the internal company how as a company you provide feedback uh
1: we had some sessions with our like team learning teams and and it's a it was a session we've done a while ago about what it means to give feedback and what it means to give feedback that's actually productive and that comes from care Versus giving feedback that's actually like judgmental or just, and what is actually not giving feedback can hurt someone. Uh, I don't know if you know that example, like you have a spinach in your teeth. It's more of a education about why it matters and then tips to give and receive feedback because it's obviously not easy. I feel as creative, I feel we're trained quite well to receive feedback because everyone has an opinion about what you're doing so (laughs) it's actually the the thing that you get to learn very early in your career even at school I remember like people are judging you and like talking about your work and it's so personal to you it's definitely part of your journey as a creative I'm sure everyone would relate to that (laughs)
0: Oh, I can so relate. And you're so right that as creatives, we created something. Of course, it feels personal <laughs> from our mind, from our imagination. So it is especially hard. And dissociating your work from yourself is um yeah, it is very hard. Yeah. Rodriguez is asking, what are the three key skills that a creative leader should have or creative should have to reach a C-level role?
1: So consistency, I think, in like I was describing, there is like ups and downs, and there is it, it's good to keep the objective of, of what you want to do and what you want to build. So it takes uh, resilience and consistency in that. I would say self-awareness, and that goes with listening and empathy, and you're building something with people. You're not building something on your own. It's not about you, it's not about it's about the company first, it's about the team first. That's why I'm describing myself acting as much in the background than. Uh, like making things about myself so understanding that I think is key uh, the three and then curiosity I think growth mindset willing to always learn and grow you're not finished <laughs> because you just have a, like a c-level title you still need to grow within this and 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 keep learning
0: I'm so glad you mentioned that because I totally agree it's not the end of, yeah. of
1: the, <laughs> the end of the roots yeah
0: <laughs> there is so more to learn and grow and we will leave until 100 years old so we should definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, stay being curious and develop gilda has an interesting question how do you get buy in on the importance of brand team in a company without that established from the beginning
1: that's where the the collaboration with marketing especially brand marketing teams i think are key because they bring the strategy you need creative to speak the language of the business which is not necessarily easy and i think the having those partners really help to formulate a proper strategy that is gonna explain from a business standpoint why do we need to do this why do we need to Why do we need to go there in initiatives that can transform into longer um, results? It's definitely not easy, but it is, I think, about making sure we can speak that language to pass some creative ideas. So I've used to work in agencies with, it was called planning strategic at that time, but like having creative and strategy always together is empowering for creative.
0: That's a brilliant answer. And I, I feel like going back to what you talked about the, the business side and how designers should talk more of that language. Sometimes it is a language problem. I, I also think because we as creatives are trying to improve the company vision and 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 how and the brand awareness and everything, but we speak our language in, in the words that we understand. but yeah. uh, but the CFO, we just That's, use different language.
1: It is true. And sometimes it's uh, when you present, for example, the the product design vision to business people. It, there is just something that happens. That's why I was telling you I really value high quality because if you're an investor, if you you can see something that really is high quality of design and it's looking beautiful, you love it. You might not explain why, but this is this is what you can show and not. This, you can explain it. You can tell beautiful things about it, but at some point. What you create in the end is what creates that effect. And that's where you don't need the language.
0: <laughs> you, you're right. And I think it kind of works from the other side. We were talking uh, to a CFO who teaches an our design leaders program. And he was saying that if any CFO presents a business model that they can't explain to you in the terms that you would understand. So it's not simple enough for you to understand. That's a wrong business model. <laughs> business exactly. model shouldn't be as complicated that that can't be explained.
1: Yeah, and but also the beauty of creative is you talk it, it's a universal language. So I'm thinking of our CFO that really love and I love that she has very like she's very curious and she has very strong opinions. And so I do believe you don't have to be a creative to appreciate and 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 really connect with uh, creative work. So I always value um, people who are from different backgrounds, opinions on creative.
0: Great. We have a question from Anna. Justine, is there something you wish you knew before? you had to learn it through practice when you started your role as a chief creative officer.
1: I was not an exec before, but I don't think you. there is a school for that. So I do think you learn while you grow. And there is uh, exactly, there is that school. <laughs> uh, maybe, yes, yeah, so the, your point is great because what you're doing is great for that reason is you learn from each other. And probably I would ask more questions around
0: me I think with as with anything being a doctor or anything until you start doing operations no matter how much you learn before you still will learn on the job but if you can prepare yourself in the best possible way to make it yeah. as painless as possible I think it's always good so yeah. I think it's a, a bit of both as well yeah. So Mane is asking, how did you develop your creativity? What makes you and your career unique in the competitive market? How did you know you were moving in the right path?
1: So to come back to curiosity, I think I was attracted to many different things. And I think cultivating that, what you're truly attracted to, creates your own vision on, on the world and, and what you like. And, um, and you always reuse that uh, somehow in your journey. And Usually, where you're you're not expecting it necessarily. So I think it's the accumulation of everything you've you know watched all the different things. And and for me, it is from art to uh, interior design to uh, photography to typography to. I think it's key to develop what feels just true to you. That what makes you special. Was it the, the other, part? Was, was the other it part?
0: How did you know you go in the right way, essentially? I don't think I knew.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think as long as you're happy with the work you're doing, and I come back to people you work with, because I don't think you can do anything right if you're not working with the right partners. It just feels right. You can do anything in, could be an agency, it could be a company, it could be whatever fits you i don't think there is no wrong or good also as long as you feel you're evolving and learning and growing that's probably the part where i was that the reason i moved probably because i was thinking i was not moving anymore
0: they definitely say when you are hungry, that means you need food. When you're thirsty, you need water. And when you feel stuck, you need learning. So if you feel like you're stuck, you probably need to learn. You
1: should do something.
0: (laughs) Great. Uh, We have a fantastic question from Jason. How do you build the bridge between creative and marketing, making sure design creative has a seat at the table in making decisions Allowing both teams work together.
1: It's uh, always a question: uh, creative and marketing, like closest team. Something we've been building is a very strong uh, team that is embedded in creative and marketing. So it is still working progress. It's 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 really something again about relationships. I think you have to sit down together in the same room, think together. Marketers can be creative. Creatives can think strategy. If they're not connected, they're going to present to each other ideas and someone is going to say, oh, I don't like it. Or if you put yourself in that situation, then there is always someone buying something from another. It doesn't work. I think if you sit down, brainstorm and do the work together, it is strong. Again, I don't think creative can function without marketing. So it, it's it doesn't solve the question going their own route. They have to uh, really work together.
0: And jumping on that question because uh, we discussed how confusing the world of sea level roles is—from uh, chief creative officer, chief marketing officer—whether there was a path for you or an offer to be a chief marketing versus, like versus creative officer. So, and I totally agree with your point that that in my head it's all part of the same function, and I think like this is basically you—you you can't unlink those two. But unfortunately, in traditional companies, I think there is usually a CMO and not even necessarily always a chief creative officer. Mm -hmm. So how did that conversation happen within your company to make a decision that you need a chief creative officer who will look after all the departments rather than a chief marketing officer?
1: I think this is showing the value the company and the brand is putting into creative. So I think this is really showing that it matters to have a creative department. It does matter to have that as its own department that the chief creative officer is very different role from the chief marketing officer we have an amazing chief marketing officer i would be a terrible chief marketing officer Uh, they're very different skill set they really work together but it is true that by probably more oftentimes a creative reports into uh marketing i think it both work i I don't think there is nothing wrong with it i just uh, really see the value of having that point of view and that space created for creatives and again talking about that connection that's not just marketing but also the experience design and then the jewelry design because in the end we also create jewelry
0: yeah, I think that magic happens when everyone collaborates together, and uh, it's it's yeah, it's so important to to have a team that trusts each other and can have those conversations um, mm. on on the same level. What advice would you give to people just starting out and want to build their own brand?
1: Understand why you want to build that brand coming from. Why does it matter to you? Why does it matter to other people? Who are you talking to? If there is a purpose, there is then a context. And I think sticking to that, sticking to your vision, sticking to your mission. uh, And as I was describing, the early days are tough because no one necessarily knows you. So you have to be very smart about how you spread the word, how you build relationships, how you keep your brand authentic to you and that's another part like if it means something to you then you can develop something very unique and keep the uniqueness and then identify what you um, can do versus where you need help from and definitely like go to things like this listen to other other people's experience There are many more, but yeah, that's what I'm thinking now.
0: (laughs) These are good starting points for sure. And Ellie is asking also on the point of branding. Do you think that if a company and executives don't understand what branding is, it is actually possible to push the company in the direction and become a chief creative officer?
1: If there is one executive, if it's the CEO, it's actually difficult. I, again, think the relationship between the CEO and the chief creative officer is key because in the end, the, and the CEO is the, in that case, is the founder. So the, the mission has to, I, I would imagine it would be difficult without this. Uh, But I would say if it happens, if it's an executive, convince this person of the powers of brands. And I'm sure it's easy to convince someone who is smart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's definitely a a two-way conversation. I think if the other person doesn't want to be convinced. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think it will be a hard one. Definitely. Great. We have more questions. Uh, How do you keep focused on a deadline when there is so much going on?
1: it's uh, that's why we do planning and that's why it is key to anticipate because if you commit to things and obviously it happens when we go fast you commit to many things and then things happen uh, that's where the struggle happens so I'm very excited to be doing way more of this so we make sure that we have When things are planned and everyone is on the same page, everyone is in agreement that we know we have the right uh, bandwidth and we know we can commit to something, things are going to go well. And then there is also just the nature of the business, like always a lot happening. It is picking your battle. And sometimes uh, you can't have everything 100% right. There are things that are going to move the needle. There are other things that are going to be good to have. So really be focused on what matters because at some point that's going to happen. Um, So it's focus.
0: What is the most challenging when it comes to persuade the business that design should have a say in the sea level and how do you tackle it? Basically, how do you convince the sea level that design is important and what is the hardest was still maybe is for you at the moment?
1: Again, I would say I'm very lucky because there are, everyone is convinced <laughs> that design is important so that I don't have to convince anyone that design is important. Everyone really see the value of seeing beautiful designs in jewelry, beautiful stores. So they actually see it. Uh, where I would challenge myself, it's always good to do, is to show more, to show even more why it matters and what what it means. And But I, I don't think it's a Challenge right now for me to convince anyone. Lucky you, lucky you. Lucky That's that like a dream I'm Maybe wondering. one thing I can say is like we need to convince why sometimes it could cost more, and and things like this. But no, I'm I'm extremely lucky.
0: Love it. Well, I have last question left for you, Justine, which is a bit philosophical. If you could change one thing in the world, what would it be?
1: I think, yeah, my, my name is Justine. I think it's for, there's something with justice. I think injustice, it's something that always irritates me. And well, injustice, I, I know it's quite general, but I can't pick something small. I would say that.
0: This is not small. This is huge. huge. <laughs> I,
1: I, I try to pick the largest one so I can solve for more.
0: <laughs> I love it. Um, thank you so much, Justine, for for sharing your thoughts and joining us today. It was incredible. Thank you.
1: Very excited to be here. Thank you so much, Ekaterina.